Welcome to Essential Dynamics. I'm Derek Hudson. I'm the creator of Essential Dynamics and host of the Essential Dynamics podcast, where we learn about the principles of Essential Dynamics through deep conversations with interesting people. I'm really excited to have uh, my friend and colleague, Mike Palmer, on the podcast today. Mike, welcome to Essential Dynamics. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike is the founder or one of the founders and the, and the CEO of Valley Landscape Inc and Edmonton landscape construction company. And, uh, Mike's got a really interesting background. He's got a really interesting business in an industry that let's say, isn't a leader in management innovation. And so Mike's, uh, Mike's a little, maybe a little bit ahead of the game, but, uh, first of all, Mike, um, maybe we'll get you started with, uh, you didn't choose to be a landscaper coming out of uh, high school. I did not. You did not expect to be in this business. Uh, no. In fact, in fact, when you come, came in out of high school, what did you want to be when you were going to be a doctor? Actually, yeah, I was planning to be a doctor. I, that was the plan. And so maybe help us understand um, how landscaping was a better alternative for you than that. Okay, that's a great question. So I came out of high school and uh, I wanted to be a doctor and a good family friend. He's like, you know, before you go to school for 12 to 14 years, you might want to make sure that's what you want to do. And so he's like, you know, find a, a shorter medical related program, which I did. I went and studied respiratory therapy at, at Nate and uh, it was about halfway through the program. Like I, I do not like this. <laughs> I almost actually quit the program, but he's the program director. Is like, Mike, you got to keep going. You're, you're, you're excelling at the study part of it and your clinical is good. And I'm like, okay, well, he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I'm going to go to business school. Cause my mom had a business growing up and I'm like, I'm going to go to business school. He's like, well, that's great. This will help support being a respiratory therapist will help support you through business school. So, um, I did that. I, uh, after finishing respiratory therapy, I worked for a year and then I, I left actually for a couple years to um, go and volunteer for my church in Southern California. And some people like that, well, that's not really a volunteer. It's more vacation, but it, it really was, it was a awesome experience. And while I was there, we, we volunteered once a week, we had to go and do community. Uh, well, we didn't have to, they, they invited us to go and do community service, which we did. And we went to the, um, Castaic Water Conservatory Agency in, in Santa Clarita, California, and we landscaped every day there doing service, basically teaching people how to do landscaping with very little water. And uh, at that point, I, I definitely didn't uh, gain a love for landscaping other than the only thing that I thought of coming out of that was with a sore back. Um, but I remember joking around the, the guys I was with and there's a couple of girls as well. They're like, yeah, so what do you want to do when you get back home to Edmonton? I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to have my own business. It doesn't matter what it is. I could sell dirt for a living if, if that's what it meant. And lo and behold, here I am essentially selling dirt. Selling dirt. <laughs> oh, wow. So uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to get to. So first of all, on this podcast, we've talked about, I've talked about my mission. Yeah. Uh, which uh, was not in sunny Southern California. Um, so it does sound like a vacation to me, but my dad served in California in the fifties. So wow, that's cool. Um, and second thing is you excelled in your respiratory therapy program. Um, 
some of our listeners on this, uh, this podcast are young people, and I'm really interested in helping young people understand the principles that we talk about. And one of the things I'm picking up, picking up from what you're saying, we could extrapolate it into a principle a little bit is just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it for a living. That's right. So what was it, where was the gap between what you were good at and what you actually enjoyed doing? And how did, how did that, uh, how did you under, under come to understand that as a respiratory therapy student? Well, that's a great question. So two things happened. So when I graduated from high school, I was barely 17. I'm a January birthday. And so I was super young and, uh, I really loved the study of biology and chemistry and the body as a whole. Hence why I thought being a doctor would be great. But when I got into the field, um, for me, I, there is, there's a lot of gratification and serving others and helping people's health. But, but literally for me, Derek, it was, I still remember in my rotations, your first year in respiratory therapy is all school. And when I mean all school, it was a two year program at the time. Now it's three, but the reason it used to be two year program is cause I don't, I don't think I saw the, the light of day for the first year. Cause we'd start at seven in the morning and go till four. And then usually you're staying at school afterward for practicing. So I love the study of it. I loved, uh, uh, my classmates, but when I got into the actual application of it, for me, it was, it was very routine. Like back then they used to do a lot of flow charts. So, if patient is exhibiting this, you do that. And it's, it's differential diagnosis is what some people call it. And, and I was like, okay, well, I'm, I, I, I just felt like I didn't have, I liked problem solving, but, but the, the problem solving that with my limited understanding at the time, and this is of no discount to those that work in the medical field, cause I have the utmost respect for them, but it was to come to a certain outcome if that makes sense. And, and I realized quickly that I really like problem solving different things and, you know, people could be different. And it just, to me was very routine and the things that we studied in school, we weren't allowed to apply in the field because I was a doctor. Um, but so that answers the question, I, you know, okay, well then do I keep going to be a doctor? But secondly to that, I still remember, I was actually interesting. You asked this question. I was, I was meeting with somebody this morning, somehow this came up and, and uh, what did it for me was I was 18 years old. You could imagine that. And I'm sitting in the neonatal intensive care unit looking at these premature babies that uh, are on life support. And for me, seeing them die, I just, I, I didn't have it. I didn't have the maturity to see it through. And I literally went to my program director, Kevin, and I said, I'm done. And he's like, Mike, you can't quit. He's like, you're one of our top students. You cannot quit. And so that's what did it for me is, is there's the study of it, but the application, it just, there is, there is a disconnect between the two for me anyways. And I decided then that it, it just wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't happy. Um, and I, I always knew I wanted to have a career that I liked and enjoyed going to work every day. And my dad and mom always taught me that if you love what you do, it's not work. There's hard days at work, but if you love what you do, your work isn't really work. And that was probably some of the best advice that, that I had been given to this day. I'm going to emphasize that um, probably tied back to some conversations we've had on previous podcasts. One of the things we look at in essential dynamics is the drivers. And, and when there's a driver that involves your passion, 
Uh, it's not work. And one of the things I know that you and I've talked about, about your business is if you can uh, get your people to feel the same thing, um, then, uh, you know, getting people on the same page, motivating people, it's, it's not the same as, uh, as, as trying to, uh, you know, sort of force people or entice them to do something. It's just, it's more natural. It's more natural thing. So you got to find that internal driver and you, and you, you didn't find it in the medical field. Definitely not. No. And, uh, I, I, I started working in, in home care in respiratory therapy because I knew that, uh, hospital setting wasn't the best for me. Although I did keep, try to keep my skills up while I was going to business school at the U of A. And, uh, I then, that's when I got a little bit of taste. I'm like, okay, I'm liking the flexibility that home health care has to offer. It's still very regulated by, by the health authority at um, but I really did like, like the, the ability to, to problem solve more and come up with specific customized solutions to solve a problem. And, and that's one thing that I've just, I really enjoy doing is I, 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 I do enjoy getting creative and problem solving. And this just happens to be a business where there's a lot of it. So you have the opportunity to solve problems in business. So let's, uh, let's pick it up. So you, you volunteered in California, you came back and then went into business school. Yeah. So I actually, yeah, that's correct. Uh, I went into, got accepted into the U of A, um, school of business and, uh, got married. Um, and I was still working as a respiratory therapist when I came back and, and, uh, in business school, I, uh, me and my, my best friend, Tom, um, uh, we're like, we want to get this business experience. What can we do? And we're like, well, we know how to cut grass and we knew nothing. Actually. We knew absolutely nothing about landscape construction maintenance. And we're like, but you know what, we'll give it a try. And we, we made a commitment to one another and to our clients that we would always be honest with people. And that included, if we didn't know how to do it, we told people and that honesty, um, really went a, a long ways at first, uh, we, we, people say, Hey, can you do this? And like land developers came up to us in our third year in business. We're like, no, we, we can't do that. Which we actually work for that very land developer today. today and one like, of a very great client. Yeah. We're actually finishing up some projects, but at the time, you know, 17, 18 years ago, we just said, we're not comfortable doing that. We, we don't have the skills and qualifications to do it. And it's like, great. Thanks for being honest. That's fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I want to go back to business school for a minute. Sure. Um, so you, you were operating your business and in business school at the same time for a couple of years. Yes. For three years, all three years of business school. Uh, 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 sorry, two years, two years of business school. We started at the end of our first year of business school and then yes, kept it. Going. So I, um, I have the same degree, same alma mater. Um, and from time, and I'm actually an instructor in the business school now. So come full, come full circle. So I'm interested in what did you learn in school and was it easier to learn it because you're running a business at the same time? Yeah. So one of the greatest things, Derek, we got asked this question by the Alberta school of business and had a magazine at the time. Fiza actually interviewed me and she's like, well, how does business school apply to landscaping? And I said, the one thing that, that business school taught me was how to figure out, uh, how it taught me a framework, how to solve and figure out problems. You know, 
there wasn't one thing and to this day um that if there's a if there's a problem presented towards me i feel that i have the tools to find the answer to that problem i may not have that knowledge memorized but i i uh, and that was one of the greatest uh gifts that the Alberta School of Business gave me was taught me how to critically think. And especially in today's world when, well, what is a proper way to do something or not? How to critically think, how to find useful information and how to find the true information that actually applies and not some fad that's going to be temporary and last a short term. But that's what it really taught me is, is how to solve problems with a, in an under an appropriate framework. And was that in a particular class or discipline, or was that kind of the collective thing that you learned from all of your work at the, at the school of business? I'd say that it was a running principle. It didn't matter if it was marketing, um, you know, accounting, which I know you're, you're an accountant and actually thought about being an accountant one time. And I'm like, no, I'll just make sure I hire good ones. But even in accounting, right, there's a certain framework that has to, you have to do things done. And this goes back to the respiratory therapy thing, except that the framework that I was taught in business, I just felt that I had a lot more latitude and I could figure out the answers as opposed to the answers being told to me. And that's, that's the difference I find between the two, in my opinion, at, at, at Nate, I was, uh, you know, very much, this is the problem and this is how you solve the problem versus U of A, this is the problem. And these are the tools that you can use to find the solution to the problem. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. Um, I, I think what I want to do now is talk about some of your problems that you've had, um, live problems that you've had as a, as an entrepreneur and how, like maybe some examples. Um, and you know, and on this podcast and in our conversations as well, uh, sometimes you just, you just kind of get stuck. Uh, sometimes you know you're stuck, sometimes you don't. And, and so you need a new way of solving a problem to kind of get past that. So I just wonder if you have any stories for us on uh, oh, some of the tough how- times. And I know you lot lots. We're, we've got oh. a, about 10 minutes left in this episode. So if you want to interrupt any of this stuff and say, okay, that's good enough for that one, just feel free. But um, I think one of the first problems uh, that happened uh, quite early was, uh, which is a real problem, I think, for any business that we're, we're going to find the capital to do this. That is a very real thing. And, and uh, you know, um, Tom and I, we, we didn't want to spend a lot of money because the, the landscaping business was never meant to be a long-term thing. It was to be our summer job and to gain experience. And with that, with that vision, well, why would you invest in the company? And, uh, uh, but as the company grew and like all of our work would come from referrals and we needed, uh, equipment to do the work. And so that, that was a big, big thing. And, and, uh, you know, we were, we were fortunate enough that Tom's dad had a Bobcat that the deal that we had was he let us use the Bobcat, but we had to maintain the Bobcat, like any maintenance, any repairs, whatever throughout the years. And so that was a huge, huge, huge blessing. Um, I was still working part-time as a respiratory therapist at the time. And so I was able to put money into that, but the capital thing, as we, you know, as you know, at the end of business school, I, I, I just, you know, 
Tom and I were going to actually sell it. And I looked at it and I'm like, this would be ridiculous to sell. It is a good business. And so um, I purchased his half of the shares out and I uh, self Tom allowed me to pay him out a lump, lump sum and then to pay him some more over time. And that literally almost buried me afterwards because you have no idea the, 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 the amount of capital that you require to keep growing a business. And uh, that was one of the things is cash flow management, uh, just extremely valuable. Even I still remember going to the bank at one time and asking for an operating line of credit. And he's like, well, this is what we can do, Mike. And I'm like, I'm getting all excited. He's like, you give us $50,000 and we'll put it in a bank account for you. And that can be your operating line. And I felt so insulted. I'm like, are you think I'm stupid? Like that's the silliest thing I ever heard. And you know, I, I had a client at the time that said I, he, he owns a bunch of real estate at the time. He owned a bunch of real estate downtown. And he's like, Mike, you gotta have a good relationship with your bank, uh, which I, I started working on and getting, a, having that good relationship with a, with the bank was, was a game changer. Um, we were able to get, um, finance properly, which allowed us to grow. So that was one. The second thing is, is, um, having, uh, one of the other concerns that we had was it was actually shortly after, um, uh, I purchased Tom share of the business. We had a customer that, uh, it was a huge job. I was finishing my last year of university. Uh, Tom had already decided to move on to something else. And, uh, we had a customer that didn't pay us. Uh, he had some concerns with some work done on a site and we had put a ton of effort into fixing those concerns, resolving them, but it was, it wasn't good enough. And we never did get paid to this day. We never did get paid. And we had paid all of our suppliers, all of our subcontractors. And, and I literally, I was on the verge of, uh, if it wasn't for some money for my parents, I Valley wouldn't exist till this day. And so I learned from that point that, you know, when you're taking care of clients concerns, that's great. We need to take care of clients concerns, but it needs to be a clear, uh, a clear uh, understanding of what we're going to do. It's once we're done these concerns, we will get paid this amount of money. Cause I didn't, I did in good faith. I said, okay, well, this is what we agreed to do. We had a written contract for the main scope of the work, but uh, it, it uh, we never did get paid that money. And uh, to this day, it's still one of my favorite yards we've ever done. And, but yeah, that. And then the third thing is um, people uh, managing the people side of things has been uh, a, a great challenge, which that's one thing we've been working through together is how do I get the stuff that's in my head out? How do I get out of Mike's head out? And, and so that we can grow the business and that's been the biggest challenge for me that we're continuing to work on and, and continuing to see. So, so Mike, that's uh that's a great segue to our next episode. Um, if I, if I could uh, maybe set it up this way, um, what you've told us so far was, were things, and there's many more things that you did in the business uh, just to get the job done. You had to, you had to buy equipment. You had to, uh, I, I know you've got stories about landscaping uh, uh, employees doing dumb things and costing you money. Uh, yes. I, I was a landscape employee in this community years ago and I did dumb things that cost money. I understand. I don't, I don't know if I was, if I was break even over about the three or four years that I did it in terms of uh, <laughs> value compared to damage. Um, 
so so there's all that that's the day to day that just keeps uh that keeps going and never stops and um you said that you like problem solving you learned some of that in school you've learned it on the job um and so i would say that your personal drive energy and resourcefulness got your uh company to a a certain level which was far bigger than you thought it would ever be that is correct uh, and then just to set up for next time, but then you kind of got stuck again. Um, you know, can you just describe what, what that was like, say maybe like three and a half years ago when we first started talking? So um, it's, it's very difficult to put into words in a, in a, in a short amount of time, but it's, it's literally like I, uh, I felt like there was a big roadblock there that, you know, Valley landscapes always, uh, been very fortunate to have a lot of work and a lot of our work comes from referrals, but you can, you reach a capacity when that's all in, in your head. And not only that, but if any other business owners like me, that burden of going home each night and feeling that everything is on your chest and on your back is it takes a toll on. And uh, it, it, it affects how you treat those that are, most important in, in your life and in terms of your relationships with your, your, um, your spouse and your children. And, and I was just literally at a point where I needed help and I didn't know how to get that help. Um, because I, uh, never anticipated the, the business to grow to where it did. And so that's when we reached out to you and it's been, uh, working through systems and, and getting that stuff out of my head and into the, the heads of others. So that's what we'll talk about next time. Um, so I love that. This is almost a cliffhanger. This might be one of the best cliffhangers we've had on uh, our sort of two part episodes. So, so uh, for those of you who are uh, listening to, uh, to our podcast, uh, we're in great anticipation and two weeks from now, you'll be able to hear uh, how Mike, got himself out of the roadblock. Uh, Mike, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Mike said Valley Landscape. Well, uh, uh, that's valleylandscape.ca. Do I have that right? That's correct. Uh, we'd like to, like to thank Bryn Griffiths from Road 55, who's uh, producing the podcast episode. I'm Derek Hudson, and you can find us at getunconstrained.com. And until next time, consider your quest. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.